This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Right. Who is ready for a good time tonight? I know there's, okay, I've got, I've got a few in the back there. Very good. Well, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, I'm excited about this message tonight. I've been thinking about it all day, and I've just been praying that God will help me somehow explain in words what I have on my heart. Because sometimes you get something that, I don't know if you've been like this, but you, God gives you something, and you want to be able to share it with other people, and then sometimes you go and try to share it, and you just, you know, you, you completely didn't do it right. And so, I'm, God's going to help me tonight, then I'm going to get this, get this word out. But the title tonight is this, is The Danger of Comparison. The Danger of Comparison. And what the deal is, is last week we talked about uh, the danger of complaining. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if you, some of you are here for that. It was the night before Thanksgiving, but the danger of complaining. And we saw some, some pretty deep stuff out of that. But one thing that I've noticed, uh, as, as a Christian is so many people are in a dangerous rut of comparing their life to everybody else's or comparing their life to maybe what they thought it should be or, or, or what their own idea of success is. And I'm, I just want to tell you right now, I'm going to get into some stuff here that comparison to anything other than God's word and God's standard is dangerous because you may think that you're super successful, but really you're not because you're not at all doing what God told you to do. Or maybe, maybe you think that you're a complete failure or whatever, but because everybody else has more stuff than you, but really you're not. Because you're the one that's raising your kids, right? You're the one that's doing what God told you to do. And a lot of people, when they fall into this trap of comparison, they can really bring about also, I mean, depression or, or in some cases, extreme pride and arrogance. Whatever the case is, comparing yourself to anything other than what God's standard is for your life is a dangerous trap that can throw you off course. The only opinion that I care about is God's opinion. I mean, I, I, I'm a type of guy, I like people to like me. I, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. I don't like people to not like me. You know, I was, I, I was a telemarketer in college, and people hated me, and I couldn't take it, even though there were people that I didn't know. I would never see. They hated me, and they threatened me, and, and all sorts of stuff, and they didn't know me, but it hurt, man. I don't like for people to not like me, but I can tell you this much right now. The only opinion that matters at the end of the day is Am I doing what God told me to do? And is he proud of me? Am I on track with him? And so let's open up in prayer. And I want to get into a few things in the Bible tonight. But I pray that you'll listen up, pay attention, because this is a word for everybody here. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we have a nice, warm church to come into on a cold, wet, rainy day, Lord, and hear the word of God. Lord, I pray tonight that as we open our Bibles, as we open our our, our hearts to you and to your word, Lord, that you'll speak to each person here. Lord, if we've got any walls up right now, God, just I, I pray that we break those down so we can receive the word of God. May we be absolutely ready to hear from you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said? All right, so the first thing that I'm going to say tonight is this, about the danger of comparison is, number one, is that you become jealous. If you're always comparing yourself and your life and what you have or don't have to other people, you will become jealous because 
inevitably somebody's better off than you. Have you noticed that? Or are you the richest, best looking person in Barstow? Come on, somebody. No. All right. So listen, inevitably, you will eventually become jealous. And I want to show you a story here. One of the very first stories in the whole Bible, Genesis chapter four. Let's flip open way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter four. And we're going to look at the story here of some of the very first people in the history of the world. We're going to look at Cain and Abel, these two brothers, they are the sons of Adam and Eve. And so they are part of the very first family, the very first people that ever lived. And it's a kind of a, I mean, if you don't know this story, this is a pretty sad story right here. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Okay, so there's Cain. He's like, hey, God, yeah, I'll give you a few things. Well, sure. So he tosses God a few few pieces of his crop. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And so what's going on here? Doesn't God, I mean, receive everything from everybody? Why, why is God upset here? Well, one of the very first things I see here is that Cain's attitude towards his offering was very nonchalant, just very, hey, you know what, I got a harvest. I guess I ought to toss God, you know, throw something to God, throw God a little coin right here. You know what I mean? And so he just comes by and just gives God a little tip. But Abel, he takes some of the very best of what he had, some of the very best of his his livestock. He was a, a farmer in that regard, a shepherd. And so he takes some of the very best and gives that as an offering to God. So God's happy with Abel, but he's not happy with Cain. And then Cain gets really angry and jealous. What What's going on here? Does God just simply like some people better than others? Well, that can't be the case because we've got a dozen verses that tell us that God has no favorites. God didn't just simply like Abel better than he liked Cain. But I can tell you this much. He liked Abel's attitude a whole lot better than he liked Cain's. And sometimes we're in here like, man, it seems like this guy gets all the, God must just really like this. God doesn't like him more than you, but he probably has a better attitude than you have. Ooh, oh man, we're getting, going low tonight. Come on, somebody. And so here we are. He's so angry. And we learned one of the first stories in the Bible to one of the first uh, uh, ideas. And it's this, that sin always starts out as one thing, but it snowballs into something else. And so that little root of jealousy, it doesn't just stay right there being jealous of your brother or sister. It grows into something much larger if you don't deal with it at the root. And so Cain lets his jealousy get worse and worse and worse. And here's what eventually happens. We're going to look down here in verse 8. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out in the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. He killed him. I mean, these are some of the very first people in the world here, and, and we think that murder's some sort of new phenomenon. Listen, this is a bad and sad story right here. He became so jealous of what was going on that it grew into murder. And and it all it all it all goes back to Listen, they were both giving their offerings to God. How could Cain have even known what Abel was giving 
if his eyes were on God. His eyes weren't on God when he gave his offering. His eyes were on his brother's offering. Oh, I see. Okay, you'll do that. Well, I'll give, give a few more of these. How do you like that? His, his whole purpose for giving to God was not because he loved God. He wanted to outdo his brother. Now, can you imagine you're coming up here at offering time and like, oh, wait, Katie Brady gave five. <laughs> I'll give ten. <laughs> you know, like, what's up with that? You should know what somebody else gives. That's none of your business. But if your whole purpose is just because, hey, I want to outdo everybody or my goal is to just be better than everybody else. That's the wrong attitude. And if your eyes are on Jesus instead of on your brother's offering, you won't ever have any idea what he gave or what he did. You won't even have the chance to be jealous. But his eyes were not on the Lord. His eyes were on what his brother was doing. And he was in his business. And that and that's where it all started. You know, I, a lot of times I think of my kids whenever it's prayer time. You know, there's always one of them. Yeah, I can hear your, your eyes are open. Your eyes are open. Hey, close your eyes. And, you know, it, it's silly. But when you think about it, the only way that you can know somebody else's eyes are open during prayer or if your eyes are open during prayer. Unless you just got some sense that we don't know about. But really, it's, I mean, that's, that's pretty spot on hypocritical right there. And I've always got that going on with the kids. Dad, his eyes were open the whole time, I swear. Her, she didn't close her eyes. How would you know, man? You're doing the same thing. You're in the same boat that she's in. You're not paying any attention either. And so this, this whole thing, it snowballs and escalates into murder simply because his brother gave a different offering than what he gave. Now, that's a pretty severe, I think, pretty very severe uh, example of uh, the danger of, of comparing yourself to others. But what about our own lives here in 2019 where we're at? Who are you comparing yourself to? What are you comparing yourself to? And let's just, you know, I know we're in church, but you can just take the, you know, just it's me, guys. It's me. You can be honest, okay? We all are guilty of comparing ourselves, looking at, well, what are these guys doing over here? What, what's he doing? Or what, what, what she got going on? Every single one of us is guilty of this. And I know here in the U.S. we have this, this saying, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And that's an old saying, but there's a whole lot of truth to that. Why is it that it bothers us when our neighbor gets a new car? You know, I'm not saying everybody, but I do know people legitimately like this. They they see their next door neighbor gets a new car. Like, oh, man, this old junker we got's two years old now. What are we going to do? We better go out. And I mean, oh, they got that. Well, we'll get a Cadillac. Fine. We'll go get it. And, and, it, and it, it actually it literally bothers some people for somebody else to have something that's nicer than what they have. You think that's a godly character trait to have? No, it's not. In fact, it's not only ungodly, it's dangerous because I also know some people that they will they will get into debt up to their eyeballs and and hawk off their kids college money and 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 sell their. I mean, they'll sell their future up the creek simply because they've got to keep up with everybody else and have exactly what everybody else has. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen it, man. You don't want to be 75 years old and penniless because you had you you you've. You absolutely just pawned off your whole future trying to keep up with everybody in your 30s, and now you're 75, 80, and you've got nothing. That's something to think about. Jealousy and comparison is a dangerous trap to fall into. And we've got to, 
we have to learn to, to have some contentment in our life. And, and again, man, what's, what's our purpose and our motive for wanting to have more? Because I'm absolutely all about advancing in life and always moving forward. But what's the motive behind it? Is it so you can bring glory to God and say, hey, here's somebody that did things God's way and now God's blessed them with a good house, a good car, their kids are blessed. Is it so God can get glory out of your life advancing or is it so you can get glory and look better than somebody else? That's a heavy word right there, man. I'm being but I'm just being absolutely serious right now, because one thing that we don't talk about very much but I'm convinced is a very real issue, not only for us, but people all over the place. One of the biggest issues in this world is pride. And people are like, I, I, I ain't got no pride. No. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Pride will stop you from all sorts of stuff. Pride will keep some people from coming up here for prayer because they think other people are going to think something. They're, they would rather not get prayer and receive from God. They would rather keep their pride than come up and get prayer when they need it. True story. I'm just, you know, uh, your pride will stop you from apologizing to your wife, to your husband. You'd rather you'd rather sleep on the couch than say sorry. No, thank you. <laughs> Listen to me. Your pride can wreck your relationship with your kids. Your pride can cost you your job. Pride is such a nasty thing, and it can not only do all the things we just talked about, but pride always makes you think that somebody else is trying to outdo you. So it's a constant, nonstop war. Oh, okay, I see what they did over there. We'll see if they like this. We'll go and get this over here. That's dangerous. That's stupidity. And that is going to hurt you. That's going to hurt your kids. That's going to hurt your future. We've got to learn to watch out for this. And so pride, no doubt about it, it will lead to jealousy, and jealousy is just, I mean, that's a, that's a starter sin. That just leads to much bigger things, uh, what they call gateway drugs. Jealousy is a gateway sin. That's just going to lead to some bigger things in your life that you don't want to deal with. And I'm telling you right now, man, we need to check our hearts. We absolutely need to check our hearts, because the second thing that's going to happen when we live a life of comparison to other people is we, we become unthankful. We become thankful for what we do have because we're too worried about what we don't have yet. And this is, again, a giant problem in, in our country, in our society. You know, I've, I've talked about it, Ben, you know, traveled to some other countries in my life. I've, I've done some missions work and stuff. And I'm telling you that a lot of the people I've met around this world, they would love to have my problems. My problems would be the best day of their life. Your problems would be a, a walk in the park compared to a bunch of the junk that a lot of other people in this world are going through. They would love to, oh, man, we can't eat at Texas Roadhouse tonight. We're just going to have to settle for this over here. That's a problem? That's an issue? That That's a first world problem, people. That's what we call a first world problem. I mean, seriously. Or, I mean, you know, God forbid, and I don't, I don't want to make anybody have like a flashback or get scared. What if your internet went out for like a whole two days? I know, I know, I didn't mean, I didn't want to go there and scare you, but, but just imagine that you had like two to, or I mean, even worse yet, what if like your phone was just gone and you couldn't get a replacement? Isn't that scary? Does that just send chills down your spine? Listen, 
that's a great problem to have right there. I would, a lot of people in this world would love to have your problems. That is not a problem. That's really not that big of a deal. I mean, you can't play, I don't even, Candy Crush or whatever y'all play. I don't know. Whatever it is you're doing on your phones. I mean, it'd probably do you a lot of good to lose your phone for 48 hours. I don't know. But, but the things that we think are legit issues are absolutely not that big of a deal. And so I want you to look at something here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3. This is an incredible chapter because the 2 Timothy is the last writing of the apostle Paul. He was he was getting ready to have be executed. The Roman government cut the guy's head off in 65 AD. And so this is the last letter that we have from him. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 is a very interesting chapter because Paul prophesies predicts what the future is going to be like. And I mean, you read 2 Timothy 3, he nailed it on the head. It was spot on for our society and our day and age. 2 Timothy 3, he was absolutely, I mean, he nailed it. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 2. First of all, in the NLT, Paul says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And I mean, the the list goes on and on to read the whole thing. But just some of the words here. Ungrateful, scoffing at God, boastful, proud. This one gets me. They will consider nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. And, you know, I mean, I, 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 I see so many people in our generation that nothing's off limits. There's nothing that's sacred to them anymore. I mean, I know in previous generations, there was at least, even if you weren't a, you know, an absolute going to church every Sunday guy, there were just some things that were sacred and like, oh, well, no, let's not go there. Let's not mess with that. But a lot of our generation right now, Nothing's off limit. Nothing's sacred, man. You can curse God. You can make cartoons, make in front of Jesus. You can, I mean, you can do all sorts of stuff and there's just nothing, anything goes. Nothing's off limits. I'm like, man, Paul, you drilled this, dude. This is absolutely what we're living through right now. He says ungrateful. There's a lot of ungrateful people. I, I, I know this past Friday, what was last Friday? It was Black Friday, right? Black Friday. And so I'm seeing like, I'm, I'm seeing these YouTube videos of people just mowing people down over toys and, 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 I mean, they would, they would kill somebody over a, over a, an object, a toy or, or a phone that they wanted. People just going at it in stores. And I'm like, my gosh. What a, a nasty, Society and, 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 and what a great problem that you have that your worst problem is not that you're trying to find a few pieces of rice to eat today, but that, hey, I would, somebody else is going to get this $1,500 phone before I do. I mean, seriously, what a picture of our modern society. And so I'm going to look at this in the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation, it says it this way, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. And in a lot of ways, that's absolutely true. Uh, we've got it really good in the United States as Christians, but come on, the, not everybody just loves us, right? And so it says it'll be difficult for the people of God. 
Look at verse 2. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. And I'm just going to say it right now. I know some people that are obsessed with money. Christian people. People in Barstow. People, I mean, that they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say this. They would never say this. But actions speak louder than words. They love money. They're obsessed with it. That's all they can think about and all that they ever do is try to get more money. I mean, well, what's the big deal with that? What's the big deal with that? When you fall in love with money, you'll do a lot of really stupid stuff to people that should matter a lot to you, even to God himself. You'll be unfaithful to God once you get the love of money in your heart. And I'm not preaching against money tonight. I think we should all have a whole bunch of it. I think Christians should have a ton of money because good Christians do responsible things with money. They they build orphanages in India, like on that missions board over there. They they help feed the homeless of Barstow. They they help the churches that Christian people do. I think Christians should have a ton of money. Absolutely. But it's really sad when money gets a hold of the heart of a Christian and they do anything to get more. And so Paul said it right here that people in the last days, they would become obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They'll be ungrateful and ungodly. And I get it that not everybody comes from an awesome, you know, you, you've, there's some people that got some issues with their family. I, I understand that. But, but it says right here that they will straight up ignore their own families over their own pride. I ain't talking to him. You already saw No way. No way. Absolutely not. Your pride is worth more to you. You maintaining your reputation as Mr. Tough Guy. You know, Miss Miss Tough Lady. Nobody talks that way to me. That's worth more to you than talking to a family member. Man, pride is a nasty little thing that if we don't deal with it, but all of this comes back to becoming an ungrateful and unthankful person. And when we're constantly comparing ourselves to everybody else, this is what a lot of this stuff leads to. And so I've accepted this fact in life that there's always somewhere along the way going to be somebody that has nicer stuff than me. But there's always going to be somebody with worse stuff than what I've got, too. Right. I mean, unless I'm an absolute billionaire, which praise God, if anybody wants to get that process started, you know where to find me. Come on, somebody. But but, you know, uh, uh, unless I'm an absolute billionaire, there's probably going to be somebody with more money walking around than me with a better car and a better house. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I don't need to have the biggest house in Barstow. I'm perfectly fine with not having that. But I also better realize that there's always somebody else that would love to be in the house that I'm living in and driving the car that I'm driving and and eating the food that I'm eating and giving their kids the clothes that I'm giving mine right now. There's always somebody else that thinks you're awesome and thinks that you've got it all together. But we've got to keep things We've got to we've got to compare ourselves to where God has us. And we've I've kind of talked a lot about material possessions a lot tonight. But we also need to keep this in mind in areas such as what about the gifts and talents that God gave you? Man, I wish I could sing like her. God, she's got it all. 
She's got everything. Or, or, or I wish that, man, this guy's just flat out good at everything he does. Listen, God didn't give all of us the same gifts. So let's quit comparing ourselves. And maybe, you, you know, you need to be happy and be the best that you can be at what you're doing right there. Whatever your job is, maybe you should be the best you can be at that. But listen, there's not everybody has the same giftings and, and talents. And flat out, I mean, there's probably somebody better at what you do than what you do at it. I'm, hey, I'm fully aware there's better preachers than this guy right here, okay? I know that much. But listen to me. I don't care about that. What I care about is, am I doing what Jesus told me to do? Am I giving my best effort, my best ability? Am I prepping myself the way that God called me to? Am I doing it? That's my standard. You're not my standard. God's my standard. And so, you know, I, and I've, I've said this too. I mean, I'm fully aware that there's some churches in Barso that are better at different things than that, what we're good at. And we're better at some things than what some of the other churches are good at. And that's awesome. It should be that way. What if every church in Barstow focused on the exact same thing? There's, there's churches that are much better at reaching the homeless than we are, and I'm great with that. They're at a better spot for it. Sometimes people, well, you guys don't do a whole lot. Why don't you have a food pit? Listen, we're outside of town, man. Most homeless people, they can't walk out here. I don't know if you realize that. And so we give money as a church to the organizations in town. We do our part that way, but to run a food bank out on Soap Mine Road, I mean, most of the people here are employed and, you know, have decent income. They've got food. It wouldn't make any sense for us to do it. But at the same time, we've got 13 acres. Not a whole lot of churches can do a harvest fest like we do. We just do things different. We're not trying to compete with them and compare ourselves to them. And hopefully they're not doing the same thing to us because we're all doing something different. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand on that tonight. That's 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 the truth right there. And so... In your life, you need to realize that not everybody does things the same way as you. Not everybody's got the same calling, the same gifting as you. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. I'm glad that God made us all a little bit different. Because if everybody was exactly the same, this world would be a boring place. We need a variety to make this thing happen. And so the third thing that I want to say tonight is this, talking about What's going on when we're constantly comparing ourselves to others? And this is the main thing that I want to get at. This is a thing that I've been praying to God all day long. Please let me communicate this correctly. Number three is you don't fulfill your own call. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to explain this. When you're constantly looking at other people's lives, other people's whatever, you won't fulfill God's calling on your life. So... Why are we comparing ourselves to somebody else that has a completely different calling than us? You ever thought about that? I mean, somebody else, there's some people that are just flat out, I mean, they're called to the business world. They are called to be absolute business management people. And I'm not one of those. I'm not a business mind. You can ask my wife and she'll gladly tell you, gladly. That I am, I don't have a business mind. And that's, you know, I've, I've just had to accept it. I watch Shark Tank and I get all this inspiration like, oh yeah, let's do this. I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, stop. Quit. Don't even go there. That's just stupid. I, I, it's not my thing. And I'm glad for people that that's your thing. We need people that have that thing. You gotta have it. I mean, that's great. But that's just, not everybody's gifted that way. Then, you know, then again, sometimes 
You know, I've, I, I'll have somebody come up. Hey, you want to come up and give a word or give a prayer or something? I mean, they would rather just go get hit by a truck than come up here and speak in front of people. And I, I, I don't get that. I mean, I, I'm very comfortable with this. It doesn't bother me at all. But for some people, it really bothers them. Well, should I make fun of them and say, ha, can't even talk in front of people. What's up with you? No. It's just different. We're all gifted and called to do different things. But if I'm too busy comparing myself to, you know, some race car driver or some, you know, whatever, I'm going to miss my calling entirely. You know, I thought of it this way. If you're a deer, stick with me, okay? This made sense in my mind, okay? I watch a lot of, like, hunting shows and stuff on TV, so there's still a little bit of redneck in there that I just, I try to get out, but it's it's attached. I can't get it off. So if you're a deer, but you're always angry in life because, you know, the woods are full of all these animals, right? And and there's deer, you got your elk, and then you've got your moose, okay? What if the deer's always like, man, that moose is so big and powerful, I hate my life, and, and blah, 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 blah. It ain't even the same thing. You're comparing yourself to God created an entirely different thing right there. Uh, and, and that's not even what you are. But you're you're so worried about somebody else's life, somebody else's calling, somebody else's gift that you're you're, you're missing out on what God has given you. So I'm telling you that if we're too busy comparing ourselves to other people, we're going to miss our calling. I mean, I'm looking around this room and seeing a lot of different giftings out here that are a lot better than me at a lot of stuff. You know, Michael Cabrera back there, man, that guy is a beast when it comes to uh, carpentry and fixing stuff. I mean, I think it would be foolish of me to just quit this right now and try to go out and become the best construction worker and, and carpenter I could be because I'm not good at it at all. I can tell you that right now. I'm bad at it. And there's no way I'd ever catch up to him. Why? He's got a totally different gifting than I have. I mean, there's no way I'd be able to do that. Or like uh, Robert back there working at the Marine base, putting tanks together and keeping the Marines going like, man, that's awesome for you, brother. That's great. I don't want to go do that. I, I wouldn't be any good at that. That's not good. Irma's like the best greeter that Walmart's had in the history of Walmart's. She wrote the book on it. All right. Got Alexis over here running that customer service like, my gosh, man, you want to have returns just to get into her line. Listen, I'm telling you what. Anyway, so but what I'm saying is I'm no good at that stuff. I stink at that stuff. And so should I just should I totally not focus on this Bible stuff anymore just so I could simply try to beat them at what they're good at? No, that wouldn't make any sense at all. But some of us are doing that. Some of you are, you know, called to be a teacher, a hand over here, you know, help with the preschoolers and stuff. Listen, why should she focus on what someone else is doing when she's got something good going on right there? That doesn't make any sense. And when you do that, you start to get worse and worse at your own calling. You start to blow it. You start to screw that up. And then you don't fulfill God's calling on your life at all. Let's look here at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm trying to get to this. Hebrews chapter 12. And so I was thinking about um, in high school on my basketball team, uh, I, I had there's one guy that was really good at basketball uh, and you know, a lot of times you can tell some of these guys that are jocks, I'm not making fun, but kind of high school is their peak in life. That's as good as it's going to get. And so that was one of my friends on my team. Like he was good at basketball, but not like NBA good. And so this was pretty much his peak of coolness. Then I've got this other friend of mine that's super smart and he, you know, he wanted to play on the team. So he was on the team and he, he didn't play a whole lot, but he knew that this, 
he wasn't aiming for the NBA. He was really smart. And so after high school, he goes to Purdue University and gets a degree in engineering. So my other buddy, you know, nice enough guy, but he always he always picked on the smart guy. I always bullied him around is what I'm getting at. And so I, I, I run in a couple of weeks ago. I'm at the zoo in Indianapolis. I'm at the zoo. And I hear someone say, Dave, David, oh, my gosh. I turn around, and it's my, my friend that wasn't so good at basketball but uh, went to Purdue. Well, this guy right here that used to get picked on for not being good at basketball, dude's an engineer for Carrier. I mean, come on. He's rich. He's got a beautiful family. He's got all sorts of great stuff going for him. And I'm not being mean, but my other buddy, you know, he's, you know, uh, 34 and uh, got a gut. He's been divorced a few times and, and just that, really, I mean, making, you know, a minimum wage job. And I'm not making fun of that. But what I'm saying is he picked so much on this other guy for not being good, like he was good. But in the end, the other guys have advanced a whole lot further in life. He's much happier. He's much more successful. He's got a wonderful family that loves him. And my other buddies playing pickup basketball games, you know, tweeting about scoring 20 points on fourth graders. I mean, seriously, it's not that cool. That's not that cool. And so why are we comparing ourselves to somebody else that doesn't have the same calling as what we have? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before who? Us. Let Pastor Dave run the race that God put in front of Jose. Let God, you know, let Pastor Dave run John's race over there. Let him run Doug's race. No, it doesn't say that. It says... Let us run the race that's been set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by keeping our eyes on our neighbor and how big their house is. And, and, and they got a raise and now we better get one. And no, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so I, I highlight And I say it yet again, run the race that is set before us. I can tell you this much. My race is hard enough. I have no desire to run your race, too. I'm totally fine and good with running my race, managing my family, doing what I've got to do. I don't have any extra time to to go and get in your lane and try to run your race, too. How about I stay in my lane and keep my eyes on Jesus and run my race, and you do the same thing with your race? You stay in your lane, you keep your eyes on Jesus, and, 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 and focus on what you've got going on in your life. And so the only thing that I'm supposed to compare myself to is the Word of God. Now here's what I'm getting at. The whole thing is driving down to this. God help me to get this out right. The only thing that I'm supposed to compare my life to, to see if I'm succeeding or not, is God's Word and God's calling on my life. If I'm comparing myself to you there's two possible dangers that could happen right here i'll either die of jealousy because you're doing so much better than what i think i should be doing or i won't reach the level god called me to reach so i saw this this i'm gonna i'm gonna get into my main thing here i saw this video 
of this kid. I think he's Russian. He's in seventh grade. He's six foot ten. And so he's playing basketball on a nine foot goal against a bunch of like 12 year olds and just dunking on them, you know, throwing it off the backboard, you know, doing all this. And everyone's like, oh, man, he is so awesome. But I'm like, hold on. He's playing on a nine foot goal against kids that are three feet shorter than him. This is dangerous for this guy because everyone's telling him how awesome he is, but he needs to, he needs to measure up to, to some people that are, you know, the same realm and level and everything that he is because he's going to get so prideful and arrogant if he never has any real competition that he's going to think he's arrived. Then when he goes and plays against someone like Joseph back there, Joseph is going to put a body on him, right? Huh? Yeah. All right. Okay. And so he's going to, he's going to take care of business. So. When we are comparing our life and our calling to others, either we'll fall into a pit of jealousy and just die that way, thinking, well, man, I've got to keep up with them. Or you'll fall into a pit of pride and think, I'm not doing so bad. I've got more money than she's got. My church is bigger than his is. My kids are getting better grades than theirs are. And what happens with that is this. Maybe you do, you know, maybe you are at a level 10 right now and your neighbor's at a level 5, but you weren't called to a level 10. God actually wanted you at a level 20. But because of your pride and comparison to the guy that's at a lower level than you right now, you think you've arrived, but you haven't. You've only reached halfway to what God really wanted for you to get to. But you're like, oh, no, we're good, man. We're doing better than they are. Hey, success right there. And God's saying, no, I called them to that level, but I called you up here to a level 50. You think you're, you think you've arrived because you're at a level 20 right now? Do you see what I'm saying? Comparison. That's why I can only compare myself to God's word and to what God told me in my heart. Because if I'm comparing myself to my neighbor, I'm either going to shoot way too low and be an underachiever or I'm going to always be grasping for something that God didn't call me to. Is any of this connecting? Is any of this making any sense here? It, other people are not my standard for where I'm supposed to be in life. I'm great if, you know, if, if you're at a better level on stuff than me. That's fine. But am I at the level that God called me to right now? I'm okay if you're at a lower level than I'm at right now. That doesn't mean that I'm awesome and I'm full of pride and that I'm arrogant. Because maybe I'm not at all where, where God called me to be at. Comparison, it's, it's a tricky and dangerous thing. Either your pride's going to make you feel like you're all that, or your jealousy is going to make you do crazy things trying to outdo somebody else. I think that's the main point of what I'm trying to say right there is that your comparison will either fall, lead you to pride or lead you to jealousy. And either way, you're not going to fulfill what God called you to do. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have fulfillment. You're probably going to be cranky and mean to your kids, you're going to have all sorts of stuff going on. But listen right now, we compare ourselves to what God's called us to be. We just read right there in Hebrews chapter 12, let us run our race with patience, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so that's what I'm inviting us to tonight. That's what I'm reminding us. Maybe you knew all this. I don't know. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, not on how good or how bad our neighbor's doing, the person, our brother or sister beside us, not how good or bad they're doing, but am I doing what Jesus told me to do? Am I doing what the Bible's telling me to do? 
That's the only way that you'll ever know if you're a success or not. You won't know if you're a success because you have a bunch of money in the bank. Because you could have you could have a bunch of money in the bank and be a complete failure because you did not do what God told you to do. Or maybe God called you to go make a whole bunch of money. And you're not doing that. And that was what God had called you to do. Who knows? Only you know what God's called you to do. But you'll never find that out by looking at somebody else's life. You've got to look at your life and keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the danger of comparison. Either pride or jealousy. It's a ditch one way or the other. But it'll shipwreck your life if you don't get it under control. All right? Very good. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together for tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.